Welcome to Two Gals in a Glass Half Full. We are two physical therapists just trying to live healthy most of the time and doing our best to see our glasses as half full. Some days that is much harder than others. So we're on this journey to interview others more knowledgeable than us to share information about the things that they are experts in. And I'm super excited about the month of July. July, we're going to be looking at toxins and things inside of our products, things we put on our bodies, things we put inside of our bodies. Um, And we're going to gain some awesome knowledge from those that know much more than we do. But first, Dr. Jess, what do you have in your cup today? Well, today I'm drinking a new type of kombucha. So it's a passion fruit and red clover. So just trying something different, something new. Um, So Dr. Bobby, what's in your glass? So today I'm having a organic tea. So sweetened hibiscus tea. Oh, it's also passion fruit. Look at it. But the theme of the day. There we go. And with us today, we have an esteemed guest uh, who is a very good friend of mine and also um, somebody that is well-versed in the area of toxin-free living. So this is Dr. Anna Reed. So Dr. Anna, what is in your glass? Uh, morning. Uh, my glass is Phil's coffee, but made from home. So not quite as good as when you get it from the shop, obviously. Gotcha. 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 So Anna, tell us a little bit about you. Uh, So I'm a scientist um, by training. I I studied developmental biology in grad school um, and was really interested in just how organisms work. Um, But then uh, was fortunate enough to run across um, a friend of mine that works in science policy Um, at the Natural Resources Defense Council, and it sounded really interesting. Um, And so I did an internship with her and learned all about my current field of work, which is looking at how toxic chemicals affect our bodies and the environment and how we could use policy um, bills and and whatnot to lower our exposures to these types of chemicals. Um, So I was really hooked. Um, I loved it. Um, Ended up doing some work um, in the California State Senate um, for a while and then eventually returned back to Natural Resources Defense Council, which is a very large environmental and public health nonprofit. Um, And I specifically work in our health and food division, um, which looks at all kinds of things like the use of pesticides or antibiotics in um, uh, livestock, or in my case, um, the use of various types of toxic chemicals in our consumer products um, and what that does to, um, you know, our direct exposures, but also kind of life cycle effects. It it, it ends up getting into, you know, our environment in general and then also affecting um, communities that are next to places that they're uh, made or um, where they end up uh, at the end of life, um, often in dumps and um, or in the water or uh, various different um, unfortunate outcomes. Absolutely. And so you were definitely like high on the list as somebody to talk to for this month because you've helped me immensely to be able to better understand a lot of the products that I'm choosing to use inside of my household, with my kids, with my family, even in in my work environment as well, right? So what are we exposing our patients to as well? 
So when we talk about this toxin-free living, it's like this really broad topic that can feel very nebulous and overwhelming, but let's try and take this big topic and we're just going to break it down a little bit into a little bit more manageable pieces. So that way it's something that we can start to grasp from more of like an, a, a level from that foundation up. And then as we go through, this is going to be a two-part series. So in the second episode, then we can kind of break it down into some more specifics. But this first episode is really kind of a bit of a broader topic. So Anna, can you give us this, this a bit of a bigger picture of which toxins in general do we want to kind of be aware of and why do we want to be aware of them? I mean, it's like, some people are like, well, that doesn't make me grow a second head, so it's fine. <laughs> However, <laughs> um, from, from what I've learned from you is I know that it doesn't have to have you grow a second appendage as we see in movies and these crazy, you know, I touch the slime and something happens. Um, but you know, how things can actually integrate into how our bodies actually start to function and, right. um, things like that. So if you could mm -hmm. help us kind of grasp a little bit of a, of a better understanding of that, we'd appreciate it. Yeah. Um, so I'll just start off um, with the fact that, you know, not knowing much about this um, is really, really common. It's completely normal. This is not something that, um, you know, people are, are aware of, right. That, that, you know, I, I, I had finished my PhD and had no idea that there wasn't really much regulation, um, by the federal government or by state governments protecting our health from uh, the use of toxic chemicals. I remember just, um, being floored when I realized what was going on that, you know, there was very little requirements for testing before chemical was used, um, uh, before it was brought onto market. Um, and it just, it blew my mind as a scientist because I came from a background where we had, we were studying, you know, the development of eggs and one, one chemical applied to that egg, one different chemical from what it normally sees could have drastic effects. And we were doing it in like little small doses and watching, um, you know, this very complex biology get messed up by one chemical. And then I realized that we ourselves in our everyday life are, you know, being exposed to an onslaught of a mixture of all kinds of different chemicals that we don't fully understand. And we're doing that, um, you know, every day we're getting exposed. And so it's this huge experiment um, uncontrolled experiment on us, um, mainly because uh, the regulatory system is uh, unfortunately uh, pretty broken. Um, and uh, the, the money of the industry is, is very important in kind of deciding how all this works out. So um, that sounds really daunting, right? Um, to be able to deal with. And the reason why I, I bring it up though, is there are things you can do to protect yourself as an individual consumer, as like, you know, in your own home, for sure, and it's worth doing. But in the end, you can't fix this problem by yourself. You can't buy your way out of it, and that's why we do what we do at the National Resources Defense Council. Is that you know when we pass a bill that says you can't use this group of chemicals in children's products, you no longer have to worry about that at all. That's the goal: is that you shouldn't have to navigate this. We shouldn't have to have this podcast, actually. <laughs> but here we are. So that being said. Um, you know, what can you do individually is a, is a really good question. Um, and um, the reason why it's important is because, um, like Jess said, the things that are really drastic, um, that cause really drastic effects in people, don't make it to market. That's, you know, if you see, you know, mice dying, 
uh, quickly from exposure to chemical, it doesn't make it to market. Um, the problem is uh, kind of long-term exposure, long-term health effects. That, that's what we worry about. The, the tests that are designed um, to let a chemical um, come on the market or not don't really, don't really address this well. Um, so a good example is cancer, right? You don't get cancer overnight from a chemical. Um, but what we do know is that in the modern world, our cancer rates are going up much higher than can be explained by mere genetics. So what else is there? There's that soup of like, you know, random chemicals, you know, industrial chemicals that we're being exposed to. And some of them are carcinogens, right? And so, you know, one exposure to a carcinogen, no big deal. Uh, lifetime exposure to carcinogens is a big deal. And we're seeing people with cancer at a much younger age um, and, and our rates of certain types of cancers um, go up that, that we um, really, I don't think can explain in any other way other than we're being exposed to something that's, that's triggering that. And um, you know, cancer is an interesting, unfortunate disease in that it's basically the dysregulation or the the messing up of a normal biological process that allows a cell to start just dividing, dividing, dividing uh, fast and uncontrolled and you end up getting tumors, right? And um, if you think about a chemical that looks a little bit like some of the, the, the chemicals in our body and we get exposed to a lot of them over time, that's gonna mess up um, the normal biological processes in our bodies and, and you know, kind of disrupt the balances of things. And that will eventually kind of increase the probability that you will get a disease. It's not a guarantee. You know, somebody could smoke their whole life and not get lung cancer. But the data says if you smoke your whole life, you're likely, you're more likely to get lung cancer, right? So that's the, you know, that one of the things that was really hard about regulating smoking was that people weren't dying from one cigarette, right? It was that you were getting, a lot of people were get, having, you know, lung cancer and all other types of, you know, health effects far down the line, but it wasn't a guarantee that you were going to have those. So, you know, the, the industry said, oh, well, you know, look at this person, um, they're fine, right? So it's obviously not a, an exact science, um, but that's, that's not how this stuff works. And I think that people have finally, you know, people do understand that smoking is at a higher risk for cardiovascular disease and lung cancer and all these types of things. It's the same idea. Um, being exposed to certain types of chemicals for a long period of time increases your risk for various different types of disease. So um, that's generally why uh, I work what I, what I work on and, and why I encourage people to try to um, reduce their exposures as much as possible to some of these chemicals. Yeah, that's awesome. And one of the other things that I think was important that you had brought to my attention that I was unaware of was also autoimmune disorder. And so how the exposures and, and we don't know exactly all of the what, which chemicals and which products, but that sometimes that can also lead to autoimmune disorder. And there's right. so th many of those mm -hmm. that, mm -hmm. you know, I see it in my patients on a regular basis that it's, it's something that's like, oh, many of them will list some form of, of an autoimmune disorder. Right. Um, yeah, the immune system is an amazing system. Um, and it can deal a lot. If you think about, like, right now, I have a little, little baby, and its immune system is like, going through and exposing itself to all kinds of things and be like, this is okay, this is okay. It's like learning as she's being exposed to those things, right? And, but smart enough to figure out when she's exposed to like a virus or something, this is a bad thing, this is a bad thing, right? Like it's, it's, it, there, it's a very impressive system, but it relies on a lot of um, signaling 
in our body. Um, and uh, it, it relies on a lot of kind of checks and balances. You kind of want to think of like, this is a good way to describe most of the systems in our body can handle fluctuation, right? Like we would not be a very we would not survive if we could only handle 70 degrees, right? Um, we, can, we can handle some variation in our environment, right? We're made to do that. The question is how much can we handle? When does it tip over, right? And so it's the same thing with your immune system or with your, like your the balance of the lipids in your body, right? And what can, what can switch you over to being like having high cholesterol or, or uh, all those types of issues um, with the immune system is it's, if your immune system is out of balance, it could be overactive or it could be underactive, right? And those are both really bad. So um, uh, the chemicals that I work on can actually do both, um, which is, it just kind of depends on how much you're exposed to and what type of chemicals you're exposed to. You know, if your um, if your immune system is overactive, then it's seeing self um, molecules all of a sudden as a problem and it attacks your body. And that's where you get an autoimmune, um, diseases. Um, but then there's the other side, you have immune suppression. Um, so you have people that don't respond to vaccines as well, or that they don't respond to an actual virus as well. And so they're immune suppressed and then they're not able to, to mount a good, uh, defense against, um, foreign, um, viruses or bacteria. And that's a big problem too. Absolutely. So I think, yeah, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say from, I think one understanding the why, like why is toxin free living important? I think that's like, for me, as soon as I started learning more, cause I, I think I, cancer is always in the back of my mind of like, yeah, it kind of makes sense. We, you, there's areas of the country where there's cancer rates that are like obscenely high. So mm-hmm. clearly it seems like there's an environmental contribution to that. Right. Um, but the, some of the other stuff I hadn't really considered was like autoimmune disorders and other things that could really affect how your body physiologically is functioning. And mm-hmm. then I really, when I really started thinking more about it, I was like, that makes perfect sense. I mean, if, if we're putting something directly onto our skin, for example, our skin is the largest organ of our body and our skin absorbs what we put onto it. Of course that, that could start to mess stuff up if, if that's not good for me, or if I'm smelling mm-hmm. something and there's, you know, like a scented, whatever it might be. And I'm, and I'm directly bringing that into my body via my sense of smell, or I could be consuming something by eating it and then swallowing it and having my body digest that and break that down. I was like, oh my gosh, oh, like yes. I can totally <laughs> see how this is really going to long-term, like over time exposure affect how my body would function. And if not the, you know, and then obviously like my family and, and that it it just kind of, it really made the why important, which is then Mm -hmm. how I started changing the products in, in my life. And, and we're not perfect in every way. We really aren't but we do try and be intentional about the decisions of each, each and every product that we use. And, and this is the why. Um, so Dr. Bobby, I think you had something that you're going to add. This is, yeah. I was just yeah. going to say like listening, like I know a few years ago, I started following um, a friend that like kind of was already living that lifestyle, but just had started to share it kind of with everyone. And like, it seems almost overwhelming at first because a, there's like all these big words in this, and you hear the word chemical. And so I initially like associated the word chemical with bad, 
But for me, like it took a while to learn, like not all chemicals are bad, you know, like water is technically a chemical. So like learning that process of like starting to shift through of like, you know, what resource is, could I use? Like, where could I go? Um, and I think the first time, like I actually felt the difference. Cause like when you first switch, I didn't, and I haven't switched a lot of my products, but I have switched some. Um, when I first switched, like you don't feel a difference. And for example, deodorant, when I switched my deodorant, it almost was like a year process of trying to find a deodorant that actually worked. Um, but I do notice now, so a lot of my skincare is what I've switched. And if I go back to grocery store, convenience store makeup, or, you know, things like that, like my face burns, but I didn't mm -hmm. notice that when I was switching, but it's funny. I notice it now on this side of things. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point. It, this is this, like I said before, can be very overwhelming. And um, I, I would encourage um, everyone to uh, think about um, what it is that the easiest low hanging fruit, um, because it, every step that you do take to lower your exposures is a good step. You, however, are never going to get to zero. And so don't kill yourself trying to achieve perfection. It's just not going to happen. Um, there's not enough um, disclosure of what's in products. Um, and it's also just going to drive you crazy. Um, I know what I'm talking about and reading labels is, is um, a pain. Um, and it requires a lot of education on that specific area. Um, and so I, I, you know, what you can do um, is really think about like, okay, I love my mascara and I'm unwilling to change it right now, but I'm okay with switching out my lipstick and my lotion or like, you know, trying those things out because I'm not as obsessed with them, right? Great, that's fine too. You don't have to like, you don't have to make compromises in every single part of your life and you don't have to do it all at once. Like you could say, okay, I'm gonna first tackle all my cleaning products. I'm gonna leave my personal care products alone. I'm not gonna tackle that yet. And I'm gonna learn, um, try a couple of cleaning products um, and see if I like them and how they work. Um, and then once you figure out what you like, you don't have to think about it again. You just keep buying the same thing, right? Um, and then there's, of course, a lot of resources too that help kind of take um, the label reading process out of the picture. Um, you know, like I mentioned cleaning products, there's a, a whole program by um, the government um, that is called Safer Choice and um, people, um, industry actually voluntarily opts to get that certification. So they go through and only use the chemicals that have been designated as safer by that um, by that program, and so you know everything that has that label of safer choice has is is going to not contain uh, a lot of chemicals of concern. So then you know instead of reading that label, you just say okay, you can look up safer choice online, or you can look for the label um, when you're shopping, and you're like okay, these products have this certification. They only use chemicals that have been vetted which one do I like? And then, you know, that, that way you don't have to, to figure out, you know, what a phthalate is or what triclosan is or all these like, you know, like larger scientifically difficult words to under, to, to de decipher actually. Yeah. Words I can't even say sometimes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I read it and I'm like, that, 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 that. And I was like, yeah, I'm not a chemist, you know, <laughs> and I've had to learn it and it's been, yeah, it's daunting. Yes. Yeah. No, I totally get that. So I think, so that was kind of leading into my next question. So mm -hmm. safer choice is, is mm -hmm. a good start to help make this a little bit easier. Now mm -hmm. there's a lot of labeling out there that will say it's quote unquote mm -hmm. toxin free or natural, or, yep. you know, some of these big words that they use, but if you were to look at some packaging and wanted to 
find that packaging valuable, what kind of words might be helpful? Hmm. Um, this is a really good um, thing to know, good area to understand. Um, it's actually what we do a lot of our work on because we believe the consumers have the right to know what's in their products, but it's actually not really the case um, often. Um, and disclosure is, is a big problem. Um, companies always claim confidential business information, um, but we've made some uh, progress on that. And I'll talk about that in a second. But the main point is that natural, green, non-toxic, none of those words are actually regulated, which means that you can say it and it doesn't mean anything. Um, you can put it on your products and it, you know, there's no legal recourse to say, oh, well, it's got all these other things that are not natural. Um, it doesn't matter because there's no actual definition of what natural is or what green is. And so you see a lot of what we call greenwashing um, with the same thing with toxics, right? You see a lot of the, you know, all natural or natural fragrance or natural flavor. That doesn't mean anything at all. It could be anything within that ingredient, um, you know, list, um, which just, you know, I'm, I, when I look at something and I'm new and I'm reading through, I'm like, okay, okay, okay. And then in the very end, it says natural flavor. And I'm just like, dang it. <laughs> you know, it could be, it could be a natural flavor. Right. Do I trust that company? Or it could be anything mixed into that, um, you know, that, into that one ingredient that was listed. Fragrance is a, is another big, um, trigger word for me, it just says fragrance. Um, technically you can put like a hundred different chemicals into the one ingredient of fragrance and it's not regulated either. So that that's, those are trigger words for me. Like, you know, like red flags, you know, all natural green. Um, they don't mean a lot, um, especially natural flavor when you're looking in food. Um, that, that's definitely a, that's a catch all black box, unfortunately. Um, same with fragrance. Um, but there's some progress we're making. Uh, we passed a bill a few years ago in California called the Cleaning Products Right to Know Act. It basically requires all cleaning products to disclose what's in their cleaning products um, and, not or, and they're not allowed to claim confidential business information for chemicals of concern, like identified chemicals of concern. They can still claim confidential business information for chemicals that have not been flagged as a, a health concern or hazard concern, um, but it requires a lot more disclosure. And so sometimes the companies are really good about going onto the website and they'll list everything out um, like they should. Um, other times it's kind of hard to find and dig. Um, but because we passed that bill, um, that information is out there. Other groups that do a better job of like um, making it easier for consumers to take in information like Environmental Working Group has this whole website. They take in all that information and they make it a little bit easier for you to look up a product and see if you're happy with the score that the nonprofit gives it. You know, one thing that kind of is hard with that approach is that people make new products faster than Environmental Working Group can keep up. So sometimes, you know, you'll look something up and then they don't have it in their database. And then that's when you have to start kind of understanding the label a little bit more yourself if you really are interested in that product. Um, but so, so things are better with disclosure, um, but you have to, I would say either you're looking for a third party to help you figure it out, or you have to start becoming a little bit more familiar with some of the, the groups of bad chemicals that you want to watch out for, which I can talk about in a little bit. Um, but, you know, looking for, um, certifications like a uh, made safe or safer choice, um, or, you know, a low score on the environmental working groups, um, 
I'm blanking on their what their actual database is called, um, but I'm sure you guys can put links in. To and we're going to put all of this information yeah. in at the Great. at the bottom. That mm -hmm. way, there'll be links. Everybody can have access to uh, look these things up. Right. Um, and so, um, you know, uh, uh, Green Guard Gold certified. There's these certifications that a third party does that helps. Yeah. Um, and those mean something that's a process. They have a list, right? Um, they go through and check some of these products. Um, but the natural, toxic free, all that stuff doesn't actually mean anything, unfortunately. I think yeah, sometimes, that's... yeah, when I see those, I <laughs> I kind of think of so I've got my I've got a little guy that's almost two, right? So when he is doing something he's not supposed to do, right? He will either like put his hands behind his back real quick, or he'll just move real fast as he's trying to run away with something he's not supposed to have. And so it's like this behavior that is meant to hide something, right? So he's got two very distinct behaviors. So when I see this kind of, of things on the verbiage on the packaging, it almost makes me think, huh? Like you're like trying to say like, I'm safe. And without some sort of a certification or, or um, you know, something showing that you actually are safe, it sometimes it, it feels to me a little bit forced. And why are you forcing it? So it makes me question a little bit more. I'm not saying that it's a bad product 100% of the time, but it almost makes me think even more. And I'm going to look even more into it because I don't trust this like toxin free word or natural word or whatever, yeah. whatever it might be. I don't trust it because yeah. it's not regulated. And, um, I would prefer mm -hmm. if it had more to it than that. Yeah. Right. What you'll yeah. see often, and you know, it's unfair for the people. There are there are companies that really care about this. They've actually, mm -hmm. because it's been such a problem, there are companies that are flourishing new companies based solely on the fact that they're doing the extra work to um, not use chemicals of concern. Mm -hmm. um, and they use all those words too, right? So Absolutely. it's a little yeah. bit difficult. They do yeah. usually try to have some sort of proof um, and also they often know more what they're talking about. So instead of saying toxic free, they might say toxic free does not contain phthalates, PFAS, fragrance, parabens, you know, they'll there list the list right? specifically because they actually there know what some of those things are. Um, but then, you know, there's the, there's this catch to, this is gonna, I feel like this is not encouraging, but um, one <laughs> of the things that we work realistic. on is um, working on groups of chemicals at a time, because what we've seen is like BPA is a really good example. Everybody got concerned about BPA and baby bottles, BPA and all types of plastics, not good for you. Right. Um, so all of a sudden now you see all these products that say BPA free. The problem is we don't know if they actually got rid of bisphenols, BPA, um, or if they went to BPS or, you know, like the, they basically just went to a different chemical that looks almost exactly like the one that they got rid of with the, uh, one or two modifications, still does the same exact function that they need in that product. And unfortunately, likely does the same thing in your body, right? Um, okay. But they can say, I'm BPA free, and that's true. But then um, unfortunately, when there's like classes of chemicals they can just turn to, they can switch them out. Um, that, that doesn't necessarily mean anything either, um, unfortunately. And um, so like BPA is a really good example. Most BPA free products have just switched to BPS. It's a very similar chemical um, with similar health concerns. And that's similar. why. Go ahead, go ahead. finish. I was going to say similar why... to. <laughs> I would say similar, and you can probably talk on this. Similar to that, I've, I've learned through is also watching like some companies get bought out 
and they don't change the packaging, but they'll change the ingredients. And if you're not paying attention to that, something that was a better product bought out by a bigger company, um, you know, now they switch out something and put something in there kind of along the fact that you're saying with BPA and BPS of uh, that, that right. now it's not as good for you. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, yeah. So I think, um, you know, we push on our end, um, but the more consumer awareness of some of these things, the better and helps us do our job. You know, like it, the more you have a consumer email a company and be like, it says BPA free. Do you use any other type of bisphenol or do you use a BPS or whatever? Um, that they might not really give you a real answer or whatever, but that's cataloged in like what people care about. And at the, at the end of the, light of the day, industry will respond to what people care about. You know, companies, you know, they, that's the point is that they want to sell you something. And in order for them to sell you something, you need to, to trust in what their product um, represents. And so I think if you're ever unsure, it doesn't hurt to email and ask, you know, um, or to call and ask or however you want to communicate with a company. Um, I often do this and, and, and it'll be interesting. You can always tell when a company has addressed an issue. You get a very like succinct, well-informed email. We no longer use this or we don't have, all of our products do not contain this, you know? And, um, and, and so I think um, the power of the consumer, it, it, it is very useful. And, and um, so I think that that's something you can do outside of just choosing um, different products, but you can actually, you know, maybe you really like a product and you want them to change. It might not happen overnight, but you can definitely push them to try. Yeah. Raise some awareness and say, Hey, like, mm-hmm. This is, this is valuable to me and my family. And I want to let you know about that. More the, the more people that do that, that's how change actually happens. Mm-hmm. It's, it's one step at a time, one voice at a time that together accumulate into uh, a loud voice. And then, mm-hmm. and yeah, go it's there. obviously something that people care about because, you know, like seventh generation, honest company, these companies are doing really well. Yep. Um, and their platform is to specifically address this issue. Right. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I love it. So Anna, thank you so much for all of this information. We really appreciate the background into toxin-free living, the why in toxin-free living, and that it is a really big subject. It's difficult. It is not an overnight fix. It is something that is going to take work and time. However, if we can do our best to continue to educate ourselves, educate the people around us and try and make informed choices. It's just going to be that trickle effect. 80-20 rule, right? (laughs) In general, (laughs) if we're really trying to make good choices 80% of the time, then we know it's never going to be perfect. We're never striving for perfection, but everything can be cumulative. So the challenge after this episode is to try and look up some of these certifications, go down to the, go down to the bottom of what's in the information on is it'll be on YouTube. So the information that's there with the episode on YouTube and see if you can use any of these certifications to help you with your making decisions and making choices for what you're going to buy for even the next week. If you run out of a product and need to buy maybe more shampoo or maybe some more cleaning spray for you know, cleaning your kitchen. I'm not sure. But the next time you need to buy a new product because you're out of an old product, the challenge is to see if you can do some sort of a check on the next thing that you buy. And 
that's it. So that's the challenge. So what we're going to do is we'll stay tuned because next week is the second part of this series with Anna. And we're going to dive a little bit further into toxin-free living. All right.